found it. It's the Japan What Podcast, coming at you from the back end of Tokyo. The armpit of Asia. It's the Toshi Hisacho Studios in Shinjuku, Tokyo, Japan. And my name is Matthew P. and Bigelow.com, which is also conveniently where you can go get show notes, links, see photos related to this show and more. Go there, MatthewPMBigelow.com. And I am having what you are having. Tokyo is undergoing a heat wave it's never, never seen never before. Seen Except it's always a heat wave in the summer in Tokyo. And every year, everyone says, there's never been a heat wave like this before. And I'm like, well, maybe not. But every year, there's certainly a heat wave. I wonder what this could be. Ah, quash that thirst. And then everybody goes, now you see. Now you see why we have to change our ways. It's hot. And if you don't realize that, then you're part of the problem. (laughs) Sure thing, people. Whatever you want to say. Yeah. Just go and get your Starbucks and fast food and throw untold amounts of garbage into the system. Hopefully it's managed by some dirty group of men. And then you go online and say, we have to change our ways. That's what we have to do. And if you don't do that... If, if we don't put billions of dollars into carbon capture technology, well, then you're part of the problem. All right, there we go. I spent the last few weeks in Canada. Now, I am an unvaccinated COVID-19 person, proudly so. I have not had one moment where I went, I wish I had the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, I know people who've had no COVID vaccines and are fine, and I know a lot of people who've had four, five, six booster shots, and they're fine too. I'm not, so this idea that one side is dying and the other side is stupid and all everyone is, is on the team and we're all going to get through this together, I don't really see that happening. Um, but uh, it was just impossible to get to Canada for the past three years, even if you had the vaccine, although travel recommendations or requirements to get from A to B were... We're changing all the time. Um, a couple of other things about Canada is that where I was in the West Coast, I, I grew up a lot in the West Coast, and I left it behind in like 2006. Um, it's really, really, really left-wing over there. Like it's gotten more left-wing. So I just kind of left in 2006 and moved to Japan, and that's where my kind of West Coast left-winginess stopped. But now they have the, there's been um, gay pride flag crosswalks for a long time, but they've updated a lot of them to include like the new trans flag and those colors. There's hairstylists with Black Lives Matter painted on their window fronts. And the Canadian, uh, the Vancouver airport, international airport is flying a lot of pride flags at the airport. And so... I was like, well, it's an airport. I've always been like, okay, if you have a business and you want to support a cause, who am I to like, hey, why are you supporting this cause? I I would never think to do that. But it's like, why is the infrastructure now proud? That that for me is a new one. Um, Whether I like it or not, I'm not sure. It just means like 
what if it gets um, damaged as infrastructure does and everyone thinks it's a hate crime when it could just be Mother Nature, accidents or wear and tear and so on? Um, and uh, what was the other thing? Yes, there's a real estate boom going on on the west coast of Canada right now. Um, houses, when I lived there, for uh, that were selling for $130,000 1995 are now selling for like $850,000. Uh, later on uh, in 2023 and uh, million dollar houses are also going up into small towns. And it seems like everybody who's making money is doing it in real estate at the moment. I know a guy who's a mortgage broker and he has just bought a huge house and hired a bunch of people to help him do mortgage broking. And as far as I can understand, it just means you go up to a computer and you search the best price for somebody and then you include a fee in that mortgage for that person and you're laughing to the bank. It seems like a job AI could do, but it hasn't been doing it yet, and people are cashing in. I also met some people who are from Vancouver who just moved recently to a small town where I was at, Comox, BC, um, and they said they got priced out, I don't know what that means in this case, of their condo in Vancouver. So they sold their condo in Vancouver, bought two condos in this small town, and rented one of them out. And so I'm kind of going like, well, where's the value here? Like um, the value is in the real estate, but for the the human osmotic pressure and this age of migration we're under, Michael Yawn, a war guy, what war guy, war correspondent and researcher talks a lot about this, the human osmotic pressure when changes happen and people flow. I haven't heard him talk about the uh, idea of real estate prices driving migration to a great extent. But if you have a bunch of people like the Poles who moved to England and undercut the builders by building a whole bunch of stuff, I can see like there's like a bit of a anger there on parts of the builders or you're getting undercut by people who can move back to Poland and live a lot cheaper there. Um, at least they're building stuff. But with this like uh, financial markets or just everybody making huge amounts of money off of real estate that's already there. I'm not sure what the skills are that are going into a whole place like that. I mean, I guess you're getting a whole bunch of money dumped in there. But if you sell your house for a $500,000 profit, but all the other houses also increase $500,000, it's not like you're going to upscale a lot unless you're lucky or you maybe you're able to a bit, but you probably take out a new mortgage to then live in a better place with still being in debt. So I'm not sure what all that means, but... I just got the feeling that the two main takeaways from the West Coast of Canada right now is insane real estate bubble um, and, in addition, super left-wing things everywhere. Oh, that's what I wanted to say. I was in the liquor store getting some beers for my birthday, and the person ahead of me, who's just a customer, was like, hey, do you have any premium Russian vodka? And the staff in the, in the liquor store were like, hmm, no, looks like we don't. And the guy's like, okay, well, I'll just take these beers and go. And the guy leaves, and then I hear the clerks and the staff talking to each other saying, yeah, we do have that vodka. But when Putin invaded Ukraine, we took all the Russian vodka and put it into storage way far away at the back so no one will ever find it and sell it. And they're saying this while a, a giant pride flag hangs in the window behind them. But these aren't like activist types. These are just like dudes kind of fat with, you know, carts and wheels and stocking shelves and stuff like that. And I'm like, you guys don't even know how left wing you are 
because around the world, for the most part, nobody would think like that. They'd be, uh, let's just sell this Russian vodka and maybe we won't reorder it. But who cares? It's it's not like the Russian vodka is part of Putin's team. It's not like you're funding the war in Crimea by or the war in the Donbass region by buying a bottle of vodka. It's a very silly way to think about things. But these weren't like Antifa types ready to burn down a building and, and, and shoot some Trump supporter in the back of the head. <laughs> these were just your regular fat, fat white dudes stocking shelves at a liquor store. So there's that. All right. Well, let's begin with the show. And let's just begin with Welcome Back to Japan. So we're going to begin, as usual, with a new product. Japan's new energy drink feels like getting slapped in the face by an anime girl. This is by the loathed Sora News 24, who I now like, but I have stuck to my idea of hate reading them anyways. Um, Let's begin. Of course, this is the podcast that features odd items, AI trends in Japan, uh international meddling, war, and analysis. And that's what we do here. Some people say, hey, you do this a lot. And I'm like, yeah, that's the format of the show. The show needs a format. A slap in the face, but in the best possible way. Ordinarily, when something brings you... So this is from Sora News 24 by Casey Basile. And uh, Sora News 24 likes to say a lot without saying anything at all. And it's a way to understand uh, stupid things that are being sold in the country. Ordinarily, when somebody, when something brings you out of a lazy or powered down mood, we call it, quote, a shot in the arm or maybe a kick in the butt. But the concept behind Japan's newest energy drink is to make you feel like you just got slapped across the face. Specifically, it's supposed to make you feel like you just got slapped across the face by Mayuri Shina, better known as Mayushi, part of a cast of anime video game franchise Steins Gate. In a pivotal moment of the narrative when protagonist Okarin is buckling under the emotional weight of trying to jump through time to percent tragedy, prevent tragedy, his childhood friend Mayushi decides that the best way to remind him of the strength he has inside is with some nonverbal, open-handed motivation. Tokyo-based NN Drinks wanted to bottle that sensation. <laughs> I hate this so much. Who cares? Oh, let's just put that back up. While there's no actual physical impact involved, slamming down the contents of the 50 milliliter bottle should definitely give you a jolt as it contains 120 milligrams of caffeine, about as much as three whole cups of black coffee. This is called the Mayushi's Slap. In addition to vitamins v, vitamin C, B2, and B6, other energizing ingredients in the drink include honey, snapping turtle extract, ginseng extract, and royal jelly. Though NN Drinks says the, flower, the flavor is fruity and easy to drink. The label is filled with all sorts of science kanji as well as a number of warnings and it goes on. So the, I'll be posting the photos of the Mayumi Slap Energy Drink uh, Stein's Gates onto the MatthewPMBigelow.com website where you can go and help us out with some traffic there. Would I get this? No. I stopped doing energy drinks quite a while ago, but um, when I was working in tech, the old, uh, the old what's it called, the Red Bull would come in handy sometimes. And I'm not sure if this is going to be popular or not, but 
Uh, why not? Why not put some anime characters on an energy drink and separate yourself from the market? Get some uh, market segmentation going on and not just stop, not just be an anime seller, but be an anime seller that also sells energy drinks. All right. Uh, let's begin with Society 5.0. Society 5.0 is, of course, Japan's government and tie up with the telecommunications industry and the World Economic Forum's approach to digitalizing the nation and updating it in every way possible, but they every time just stumble across coffee tables, fail in their efforts, and introduce strange and unreasonable things into our lives that end up uh, leaking all of our data and come to bite them in the ass. That is what we're doing right now. Mm. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. Industrial revolution will raise our standard of living. That's World Economic Forum talk. I say that a lot, but if you're a regular listener, you're like, well, why do you say that all the time? Well, people are listening, and sometimes we'll be like a bump in some country I've never heard of before. And it's just like, okay, well, I can't expect them to go through the backlog of episodes and isolate what it all means. So, simple repetition never hurt nobody. This is actually going to begin with some, uh, I put this at the beginning because it's, it's a combination of business at the beginning of the show, near the beginning of the show, because it's a combination of business and um, so Smart Society 5.0. And I'm not against all this stuff. I quite like the technology, um, but I, I don't like it when it's pointed at us. And this will lead into the next segment as well. When we point all of this technology at the world around us, it can make human life much better. But when it's all pointed at the human, it makes government surveillance of ordinary citizens part and parcel of everyday life even more. You know, China has this where you have to scan your ID as well as doing facial recognition to enter and leave a lot of places these days or by long uh, di distance trains. So if your face is registered as somebody with poor credit, it won't let you onto the train and stuff like that. Um, but if I forgot my microphone cap, so it's a little, so, but if we, if we turn this against, uh, the things around, turn this on, if we aim it at the world around us, it can help to drive efficiencies into our own lives. Uh, you know, that just as, just as everything has been progressing, we don't need to suddenly turn our entire, um, way of living into, um, a surveillance state, right? We don't, we don't need to have George Orwell being reality. George Orwell can remain fiction, or can he? This comes to us from Dublin, um, from the Yahoo uh, News. And if you don't know, Dublin is a, a major center for technology because like, of its tax-free and tax relief and you know low taxes for corporate and tech and stuff like that. Uh, but they also do a lot of um, international collaboration with technology companies for their municipal infrastructure and stuff like that. But this is kind of uh, coming for us to, from Dublin, but it's about Japan. The Japan smart home market size forecast from 2023 to 2028, industry trends, growth, impact of inflation, opportunity company analysis. Um, this is from help from researchandmarkets.com. Uh, um, and th this is like, 
very data-driven. So it's not goofy World Economic Forum stuff. That's next. But let's just begin by reading a whole bunch of data and you can see where it's leading and whether you think it's good or not good or whatever. Japan smart home market will reach U.S. $17.89 billion valuation by 2028 from $6.52 billion in 2022, growing at a rate of 18.72%. CAGR, continued annual growth rate. Is that what CAGR means? Yeah, I can't remember the C at the beginning. No other, by the way, if you see CAGR at the beginning of something, it means you're in for market details. And these people are a lot less goofy than the, than the talking heads who go on to the chairs in front of big blue and black screens at conferences and go, we believe in love. <laughs> so CAGR is like, hey, it's somebody putting up like the data flag. The data is over here. I'm holding up something called CAGR. No other country has embraced technology as strongly as Japan. Really? The majority of Japanese people's lives have experienced a technology boom over the past 10 years. That's kind of a global thing. This also applies to dwellings, which have evolved from a straightforward modern concept to smart homes. Uh, yeah, we are seeing a major boost right now in, 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 in growth in building infrastructure right now. And a lot of that is going to be with um, these ideas here because... It's hard to put a lot of this AI, IoT stuff into buildings that have already been built. But if you put it into the infrastructure itself, you can put it into that level and then monitor it from that level. Case in point would be plumbing. By having IoT devices put at the bottom of your sink or at the bottom of your toilet, they can analyze the flush rate and how much time, how many times you're flushing things per day or shower and then because the, the toilet flushes at a certain speed and the sink flowing through your water at a certain speed and, and the amount of volume through your shower is done at a certain speed and, and it, the IoT devices can distinguish between these three things uh, quite simply and then analyze that data and send it back to a network somewhere to you know hopefully realize efficiency and not just turn everything off because your carbon footprint exceeded a certain level. Um, but trying to put all that infrastructure into existing buildings, all that digital infrastructure into existing buildings is quite hard. And a lot of people would just say, screw you. Modern building automation technology is also essential for enhancing the current security and accessibility of living for senior citizens and their families. Um, Japan's smart home industry was valued at $6.52 billion US in 2022. By fully exploiting technological innovations, such as IoT and AI derived from the Fourth Industrial Revolution, well, it is a, a WEF uh, document, Japan hopes to create Society 5.0 in the future. Wow, I, I scanned this document, but I, I missed that part when I was preparing for the, um, the podcast here. Wow. So that led in from my uh, intro there exceptionally well. I'm too tight for this market. The IoT market's rapid growth, numerous manufacturers expanding their product lines, cost-cutting measures made possible by home automation systems, and the growing significance of home monitoring from remote locations are some of the factors that have contributed to the growth of the smart home market in Japan. Um, it says, smart appliances will capture the maximum revenue share. Based on application, the Japan smart home market is classified into six types. Smart appliances, security, home entertainment, energy management, control and connectivity, and comfort and lighting. The rising number of smart homes and the growing internet penetration among users primarily drive the smart home appliances market growth. As a result, manufacturers are investing extensively to support the increasing demand from Japanese consumers for feature-loaded smart solutions. Uh, 
AI significantly significantly boosts home security and monitoring market innovation. The Japan home smart home security market is expected to rise at progressive CAGR thanks to evolving consumer safety and security preferences. Um, smart speakers and interactive security systems held the highest market. Japan's smart speaker market is expected to quadruple. Mm, you know what? I disagree. Most Japanese houses are very small and Japanese people are very shy. And when I was working in tech and these smart speakers were beginning to roll, beginning to be rolled out, a lot of people went out and bought them. Uh, but the smart speakers couldn't understand their English and the Japanese ability to understand Japanese wasn't that great either because uh, a lot of Japanese words kind of sound very similar to each other. The kanji might be very different, but the pronunciation might be very similar. So it wasn't that efficient. And then they got they got ashamed of having to repeat themselves in front of this machine and were worried that people nearby would be able to hear them incorrectly using these smart speakers. Um, but we will see. Uh, but smart electric controllers, smart lights, and smart appliances such as washers, TVs, and air conditioners is also rising. Uh, the air conditioner market in Japan is extremely advanced and it's... Um, it's uh, ambiguous. It's ubiquitous. It's it's background technology. So it doesn't. It's not really going to screw around too much with you if you if your air conditioner has some AI in it. Whether it's useful or not, the market could be able to capture some value from that. Japanese smart home sectors will bring short, strong short term development potential or lighting control systems and security. Uh, I could see security being one of them. It's a, it's a topic that's taken very seriously in Japan. And it's not like people, a lot of the infrastructure in Japan adds security as an afterthought. The security is um, incorporated into the design of the building itself, uh, whether you have like windows that are a certain height so people can't reach them or uh, gates that are part of the building itself with, you know, in, in, in lighting, in well-lit areas. These are taken seriously so you don't have to add in security measures later you build it into the system itself so it's all there when it's said and done um there is a demand for a safe and secure living environment especially concerning safety functionalities and discrete monitoring for older adults um the idea of having ai cameras or uh automatic alarm systems uh, for senior care centers would be very reasonable the the so-called guard man, the security guard market in Japan is probably going to shrink quite a bit because of an aging society and a lack of interest in pursuing such careers. So automation in that field is probably going to be um, automated. It's just the, the demographics are going to make that come to life, come to fruition. Um, do, 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 do global internet behaviors like Google and Amazon have introduced smart home goods? Um, okay, let's move on. Key players. Japanese market players have incorporated, quote, calm technology and design, end quote, concepts and technical competence to allow peaceful digital existence with which technology works perfectly with people. Wow, this doesn't sound like a PR article, does it? They envisage, envisage future technology as one that claims to make people happier by enhancing their humanness of human life. Now, this is where we get into probably dystopia. Because when it's, when it's framed like, hey, we want to make your life better because we believe in your happiness as a, as a soulless corporation that acts as a meat grinder for humanity that has zero care in the world whether the people who work for us are good or bad as long as they can populate an Excel worksheet. We care about your happiness. 
to promote the development of smart home technology, Samsung Electronics Co. Limited collaborated with the Home Connectivity Alliance in January 2022. The goal of this relationship is to add fresh and useful features to the product offerings. Now, um, uh, you can't trust Samsung. <laughs> A lot of their smart TVs with visual recognition got hacked early on. And ooh, once you get that, <laughs> once you lose that uh, relationship with your customer, I don't think it's ever coming back. Um, and I think I'm going to stop it there. If you're interested in, in oh, well, let's just take a look at some of these uh, products. Market that's been covered from 15 viewpoints. Um, smart thermostat, I don't think is very good. Monitoring camera, yeah. Video doorbell, we've recently had one installed in our in our old apartment here in Tokyo, and it's quite good. Uh, it, it collects video from people coming into the apartment building that have dialed your apartment number, and you can zoom in on their faces, and it stores the, the video uh, on the system itself, and you can review it later if you want to. It's quite good. Smart light bulb, mm, don't like it. I like LED light bulbs with high functionality. Motion sensor, smart light switch, door video sensor, smart door lock, smart plug, smart smoke detector, eh, garage door opener, smart electrical socket, eh, smart oven, eh, smart window shade blind. I've heard these are good, but they're noisy because they have you have to you can set your your uh, blinds to be opened and closed at certain parts of the day, but if you wake up to it, it's like. Um, sounds like a coffee grinder going out next to your bed just so the the shades open up and and splash light on your face it's again that kind of that dystopic approach where it's like hey it sounds like a good idea i'll have the natural sunlight of the day awaken me i'll just automate my uh, my blinds with an app on my phone and this little motion thing on my my curtains that that'll just wake me up and I'll rise with nature and I don't have a need for some noisy alarm clock and you install this equipment and it goes off at 6:30 in the morning your sun is ready the sun is ready wake up the sun is ready like it's even worse than the stupid alarm clock and um, water shutoff system Irrigation control system. Now, the irrigation control system is probably one of the best ideas. Uh, you can have locks that open and close depending on how much water is coming in or not. Or let's say if your field is dry and you go to sleep, but it rains and then it, the sensor realizes, you know, that there's water available. It can open up at a, a, the chute automatically and, and, you know, water your, your rice field if that's what you need or whatever. That type of stuff would be very good. And then you don't care if it's noisy or not because it's, it's, it's serving more of a function for, again, this is the idea of it being uh, aimed at a person, those lights where it opens up the blinds and makes your life miserable, or aimed at the stuff, the rice field that opens up the gate to allow the water in if it's raining and you need the water at 3 a.m., uh, you know, you would probably sacrifice that amount of noise if, if it, you know, it would probably even be far away from your house if it would serve such a purpose. Like you, you much needed water automatically coming in for a bit of noise. Yeah. So when all of this technology is aimed at the stuff around us, it can make our lives better. When it's aimed at us, it makes our lives worse. After working in the telecom industry uh, for an, running an AI course for five years, that's my ultimate conclusion. And I don't mean, I don't, it sounds very simple, but I don't want to overstate it or sound whimsical or wise. That's the, that's the boiled down analysis of all of this stuff. Aim the AI and IoT around you and it can make 
your life better. Aim it at yourself, it's worse. You, you reward yourself with unwarranted surveillance, noise, contraptions. It sucks. But by you know, populating it around you, it makes your life much better. Yeah, what if somebody was robbing your house and you're able to capture the video of them um, through your doorbell ringer, like the ring system and all that, you know? It doesn't need to be through Amazon either. You could, it would be, the video can be stored on a local device and then you could send that to a police officer somewhere, something like that. So there's all that. That is version one of Society 5.0. We're going to move on to version two of Society 5.0 right now. To continue this point of Society 5.0, and uh, the previous document mentioned the Fourth Industrial Revolution, the song I played featured the Fourth Industrial Revolution, Society 5.0. It comes a lot from the World Economic Forum's futurism um, people. One of the main ones is Klaus Schwab, who wrote the book COVID-19, The Great Reset. Uh, no one asks about that. Hey, you're from the World Economic Forum. What do you think about the founder, kind of like this guy you're working with, writing the book COVID-19, The Great Reset? That's just a conspiracy theory. No, 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 no. It's a book. He wrote it. What do you think about it? Um, one of these other guys is uh, Ival Nova Harari. I believe that's how you say his name. He wrote a very popular book called Sapiens. And I've heard him talk about things like uh, we are able to hack the mind now, uh, we are going to put surveillance under the skin. And so he goes on these talk things, you know, those 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 uh, events where people gather on, and, uh, and look at people on a stage who are all sitting on very plush chairs in front of giant blue and black screens. And they talk about like the future of uh, security and AI in the, in the global pandemic world. Uh, all that stuff, and they just say the weirdest shit to each other, and then it gets out online because it's been promoted online, and people go, wait, that's crazy. Why are you doing it? And then they turn around and say, that's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> so um, recently, there's this uh, podcaster named Lex Fridman, uh, who's very popular. He's one of the top podcasters now, and I used a lot of his material before he even started the, his podcast, back when it was called The Artificial Intelligence show or something like that and he had some videos on youtube of him presenting driverless car technologies at mit he's not really an mit person but he spoke there or something like that anyways i've been following him for five six years now and ival nova harari sometimes is in this field as well and i hear him speak and i go this guy's an idiot and he sucks uh, I hate him. I, I don't want to people go, we need surveillance under the skin. He basically sounds like a Bill Gates type. Um, and here he is on Lex Fridman's podcast talking about finding empathy in place of conspiracy. Now, this guy is supposed to be Mr. Smarty Pants. And he's just Mr. Smarty Pants all over the place. And he's a very smart, smarty pants type of dude. Uh, and he's like, well, conspiracy theories, <laughs> those are crazy. But he, what I'm trying to say is he goes on to these stages and he talks about hacking the mind, putting surveillance under the skin and talking about how we don't need people as much anymore and how we're going to change the human relationship for all of humanity very soon. And then we ask him about it and he says, 
why do you hate the gays? <laughs> it's like, that's a classic deceptive move. So this is a clip from uh, uh, Yuval Noah Harari talking about um, conspiracy, but it's just, um, it, it's, it's very deceptive. And he's talking as if he's just read a whole bunch of Hallmark cards. Uh, you know, what he had like, he, he got somewhere early and then he decided to try to steal as much, as much blither and blather from Hallmark cards as possible before going for this interview. Let's play it. Sanity in this situation. Uh, first of all, it's, it's important to understand that most of these people are not evil. They are not doing it on purpose. Many of them really believe that uh, there is some very nefarious, powerful conspiracy which is causing a lot of harm in the world, and they are doing a good thing by exposing it and, and, and making people aware of it and trying to stop it. Mm-hmm. If, if you think that you are surrounded by evil, you're falling into the same rabbit hole. You're falling into the same paranoid state of mind of- yeah, but I'm I, but I'm I'm looking at him as somebody who disagrees with what he's doing, and I I'm not thinking there's a whole bunch of evil in the world, and I'm trying to expose it. I look at what he's saying, and I say I don't like all this AI and IoT being pointed at people. I want it pointed at things, and then he says, "Well, you're not a bad person. You just think there's evil everywhere." It's like no, that's not what I'm saying at all, Mr. Harari. I'm trying to use examples of exactly what you said and express my disagreements with it. But you say, I'm crazy, and then you just say, oh, the world is full of evil people. That's what you think? Mm, no, I'm trying to say your plan is psychotic. I don't like it. I don't want to go through with this. More. The world is full of these evil people. That No, most of them are good people. Um, and also, I think we can empathize uh, with some of the key ideas there, which I share, that, uh, yes, it's becoming more and more difficult to understand what is happening in the world. There are- you hear that? You hear these wise words from this crazy smart guy, Mr. Smarty Pants? He says it's becoming more difficult to understand what's happening in the world. <laughs> Okay. You mean when you say we want to put surveillance under the skin and I say no and you say, well, the world isn't filled with evil people and it's becoming more difficult to understand what's happening in the world. This is Hallmark card greeting horseshit. It doesn't mean anything. You could say this about anything. We could be talking about paint and he'd be like, it's difficult to understand what's happening with paint in the world. Some people think the paint industry is just evil, but actually there are some good people in the paint industry. Let's change it to muffins. A lot of people think that muffins are evil, but no, it's just becoming more difficult to understand what's happening with muffins in the world. He could be talking about anything. He, this is what happens with psychotics when you try to confront them with things that they've said and then they just try to turn it around on you and call you an idiot in the process of not addressing what you've said based on what they've said and they just kind of say, no, you're just a very simple, stupid person. That's it. That's the problem. You're a simple and stupid person. Are huge dangers in the world that we are existential dangers to the human species, but they don't come from a small cabal of Jews or gay people or feminists or whatever. So I have not said, like, I like Jews, I like feminists, I like gays. The idea that 
somebody disagreeing with this World Economic Forum platform would suddenly also be against gays. Like this is how this is how much they actually hate people like me, where they they just assume that I'm a very low resolution person. Oh, you disagree with me? You don't need to hate the gays. What? I'm not talking about the gays. You disagree with me? Well, you know, the feminists aren't all bad. It's like, I'm not talking about the feminists. He's like, conspiracy people just hate gay Jews. <laughs> Whoa, that's a very low resolution way to look at people like me, Mr. Harari. I don't like your plan. And instead of addressing anything about your plan, you divert it onto mm, socially acceptable uh, caveats that people can disagree with easily. What? You don't like my plan? Do you hate gays? Now it all becomes about hating gay people. It's not what it's about. It's about your plan to put chips under our skin and monitor us with IoT devices. Not everybody comes from a small cabal. We're not talking about the small cabal. I want to know um, your plans for um, injecting artificial intelligence chips into the human mind. You've talked about that before. Why would you do that? You see, you don't have to hate gay people, Mr. Bigelow. <laughs> I don't hate gay people. Can we just talk about the things that you talk about? No, we can't. I just want to explain myself. And then when you ask me questions about what I say, I just insult you with very low resolution examples of, of, uh, of, of like subhumans that I think exist below me in the world. Um, they come from much more diffused forces, which are not under the control of any single individual. Um, we don't have to look for the evil people. We need to look for human allies in order to work together against... Oh, we need to... This guy is full of knowledge I've never heard before. Don't look for evil guys. Look for allies. <laughs> See what I mean? It's like a Hallmark card. You could open a... That would be on the front. Don't look for evil guys. And there'd be like a picture of like Gavin McInnes and a bunch of uh, proud boys. Yeah. Look for good guys. And it would just be a giant rainbow flag. Um, again, the dangers of AI, the dangers of uh, uh, bioengineering, the dangers of, of climate change. And when you wake up in the morning, the question is, do you want to spend your day spreading hatred? Or do you want to spend, spend your day trying to make allies Whoa, I never thought about it that way. Would you like to spend the... I have a question for you, Mr. Podcast Listener, Ms. Podcast Listener. Would you like to wake up and spread hate? Or would you like to just spread love? <laughs> Mr. Harari, what are your plans for uh, with the World Economic Forum, whose head Klaus Schwab wrote the book COVID-19, The Great Reset? What are your plans for... Um, surveilling humanity and there's these vague kind of ideas of overpopulation in the world. What are your thoughts on that? Don't hate love. Oh, thank you, Mr. Harari. What a douche. All right. That's, I think we got one more thing for Japan society 5.0. 
another idea is new uh, Nippon Telegraph, new Nippon Telecommunication Telegraph Company, NTT, one of Japan's major telecommunication networks. New NTT joint venture using AI and IoT to advance sustainable food security worldwide. Again, sounds pretty cool. And green LED lights found to speed up growth of farmed flounder. What do you think about farmed fish and all that? I prefer the wild stuff um, if you can get it. I don't mind the farm stuff, farm fish, farm protein. It's better than cricket powder, right? Uh, so, again, you put the green LED lights on fish and they grow faster. You use AI and IoT for food sustainability. I don't like the word sustainability, but you could just say supply chain resilience, uh, okay, that sounds good to me too. Um, we can use LED lights to grow vegetables and to make fish grow faster. They're very simple devices that can change light frequencies or pulsations where you don't even know it's pulsating by looking at it and it's transmitting data or uh, affecting changes in the world around you. And it's like, okay, well, I get more fresh vegetables and fish develop, uh, shipped to me, so why, why the hell not? Uh, but do I want these chips under my skin? Maybe not, Mr. Naval Noah Harari. Well, could we talk about that? Could we talk about that instead of this stupid low-resolution deflection, um, which is obvious, and you're just a fucking idiot. Ugh, these people make me nuts. They don't make me nuts. They just make me like, hmm, this person's not really a genuine human being. He seems to be like a heister or something. Oh, jeez. I unplugged something. Time to plug it back in. Whoa! The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0 A technology-based, human-centered society. industrial revolution will raise our standard of living still pretty chuffed that uh japan society 5.0 was referenced in that first article and that 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 song i'm playing right now is called japan society 5.0 <laughs> uh let's take a look at supporting the podcast have you ever thought about supporting the podcast of course you have now we make it easier than ever are you aware of podcasting 2.0 Go get the Podverse app. Go get the Fountain app. CurioCaster. There's a bevy of new podcasting applications out there that make connecting the listener to the podcast creator easier than ever before. And you can donate Satoshi's Bitcoin micropayments directly from your GetAlby wallet to the podcaster themselves. It's a building on protocols. It's open source. And it's getting away from the big tech control and giving big tech applications to the little guy, to people like me, and to people like you, where we can experience our preferences without the ever uh, Sauron eye uh, trying to rape us with its endless stream of worsening and worsening ideas for the human condition. Stay out of that plan. Join us at Podcasting 2.0. Go to MatthewPMBigelow.com and send us some traffic. You can also check out the photos, links, and more. We appreciate it. Everything you do. Thank you very much. Let's take a look at China. Mm, 
we'll just read a couple of headlines. Weaponizing biotech, how China's military is preparing for a new domain of warfare. I'm just going to bring this up quickly. If you don't know about Unrestricted Warfare, which is a uh, book written by a couple of Chinese colonels, I believe in the early 90s or the early 2000s, it talks about weaponizing everything. Like the idea is China wants to be number one, of course, and America is number one. It shouldn't be. But China's military isn't powerful enough to defeat America's military. But what if we just make everything else a weapon, uh, like COVID-19? <laughs> we'll put all of the world's firms into Wuhan, then we'll release a biolab weapon, and then we'll close down all the firms, make the world supply chains go totally crazy, and then we'll just commandeer those supply chains and supply the world with the stuff that's made in China by China instead of made in China uh, for the Europeans, for example. Um, the World Economic Forum hints at allowing countries to use Chinese yuan for debt repayment. Ooh, we have to go into this. So this is a Japan What podcast, and the reason I focus on these things like China is because Japan is tied to the American system. There's a lot of American bases in, uh, in Japan, and there's also a lot of close connections between the Japanese economy and the American economy, the G7, all of that. Um, as a Canadian as well, I'm tied to America that way. So wherever I look, I'm in this ship tied to America's waters, and it's getting a little bit wild for me right now. Um, and even like... Um, the coffee quality in Japan has been going down, but it's always been very good in Canada. I recently went and bought a bunch of Kicking Horse coffee in Canada and brought the beans back. The beans aren't that as good as they used to be either. It's because Brazil with the bricks is probably giving, in my estimation, China preferential uh, beans for the Chinese growing demand for coffee. I mean, why not? You're part of the same economic block. You should be giving each other preferential treatment. But it's eating into my pie, and it's continuing to do so. So the reason why I bring this up is because if you're tied into the American system uh, and another system is coming up, making its own pie, expect your pie to be smaller. IMF hints at allowing countries to use Chinese yuan for debt repayment. This comes to us from ZeroHedge.com uh, via the Epoch Times. I shared an Epic Times report on Twitter, on Facebook once, and a lot of people got angry at me. Fuck, I hate those people now. I don't hate them. I just kind of go, what? Come on, grow up. The International Monetary Fund has hinted it may accept the Chinese yuan as a currency for countries to settle their obligations with the International Monetary Fund uh, following Argentina's recent debt repayment in yuan. I've been covering this off and on on the Japan What podcast, MatthewPMBigelow.com, over the past few months. Because it's an inroad to expand percentage point by percentage point uh, Chinese economic hegemony around the world and, and eat more of the American hegemony away from American interests. And a lot of people will say, well, pff, yeah, <laughs> good luck. I mean, <laughs> America is like number one and, <laughs> and China's not. So why are we even paying attention to this? Mm, let's just see where this goes over the next 10 years, shall we? Um, IMF spokesperson Julie Kozak confirmed on Thursday that Argentina had paid off part of its debt equivalent to $1.1 billion of the $2.7 billion that, measured, that matured last month with the IMF in Chinese currency. 
Um, Mr. Mrs. Kozak said the negotiations on the $44 billion program are still ongoing. She denied that the IMF received a letter from China stating it would allow Argentina to use a swap line with the Chinese central bank to pay off its IMF dues. Uh, Argentina's central bank signed a deal with China last month to renew the 130 billion yuan or about 18 billion dollar uh, US uh, swap line for another 3 years doubling the amount of freely accessible funds um for that country Argentina's ministry of economy said the swap would be in a single tranche and freely available to any type of financial operation adding that the country would look to promote more yuan spot and future operations on 20, June 29th, the bank said it had incorporated the yuan as a currency accepted for deposits and savings banks and checking accounts, signaling a departure from the U.S. dollar as its sole official reserve currency. Quote, Financial entities will thus be enabled to open bank accounts denominated in the renminbi yuan, end quote, the bank stated. Boom! One more time, quote, financial entities will thus be enabled to open bank accounts denominated in the Remembi Yuan, end quote. The move comes as the South American nation's foreign currency reserves plummeted due to the severe drought that has reduced grain exports, its major source of dollar earnings. We could say it's severe drought because of climate change, but uh, Argentina is severely mismanaged. It's like California of the, of the South America. Uh, ahead of the general elections in October, blah, blah, blah. Yuan far from dethroning dollar. I'll, I'll end it there. Uh, I just wanted to let that, keep that um, analysis ongoing uh, for people listening to the podcast that, yeah, it's uh, starting out a little bit and then a little bit and a little bit. And as we know with Chinese policy, it often um, takes a salami slice approach. One idea was the um, weaponization or militarization of islands in the East China Sea. We're not weaponizing and we're not we're not building things there. Oh look, we built it there. <laughs> we're not claiming this whole East China Sea and South China Sea is China's. That's crazy. Oh, here's a nine dash line, and yep, it's ours. Okay, sure. That's the China section for today. Where to go? I'm, we're almost done here. Uh, let's take a look at bugs. I'm going to eat all the bugs. Okay, you're just going to eat them one at a time, though, okay? Okay. I got one. I got one. I'm going to go catch that one. You'll finish the one that you have in your mouth first. Now, I didn't think that crickets were going to be such a big part of this podcast, but I just put it into the web browser and boom, every week something crazy and new pops up. Entomophology Takeo, traveling cricket museum flavor, available for pre-sale at the Kyushu University Museum Open Exhibition, Fukuoka Great Ex Insect Exhibition. Yeah. That's the headline translated by ChatGPT. Experience the quiet and cool, quote, scent of that museum, end quote, by uniquely blending spices and herbs, create memories of insect food starting from the summer vacation of 2023. <laughs> so this is an article about crickets and museums and food, of all things. Notice how, if you've been listening to this, 
Every time we do the cricket segment, it's just nuts. It never sounds good. And they're like, you can put basil on baked crickets and eat them at the museum. I think, what? Excuse me? Why don't I go and just get some edamame and a beer and enjoy it at home? No, you can't do that because it's not sustainable. You have to have cricket powder and basil at the museum. (laughs) Okay. Creating memories of entomophagy starting from the summer vacation of 2023. Traveling Cricket Museum flavor uniquely blends basil-based spices and herbs to express the imagery of the quiet and cool scent of that museum. It seems that the scent of that museum, which isn't quotes, is derived from the odor of camphor used to preserve specimens. Camphor is a natural component derived from the oil of the camphor tree, and it is known to be present in basil as well. Recently, odorless preservation agents have replaced camphor in specimen preservation, but there are still insect researchers who continue to use camphor because they enjoy that scent. The concept behind Takayo's traveling cricket is to create insect food that brings joy to the people in that place. This time, the stage is the museum shop of the insect exhibition. This product was born from the staff of the Fukuoka Great Insect Exhibition asking, quote, Is there any good insect food that could be sold as a museum shop item? End quote. What a great question! Dr. Munetoshi Murayama, the creator of the Fukuoka Great Insect Exhibition and a professor at Kyushu University, is actually the senior of Ryota Mitsuhashi, the developer of Takeo, from his student days. For us, it is an opportunity that will never come again to work with the admired Dr. Murayama and Kyushu University Museum. So we put even more effort into product development. Initially, ideas such as Cricket with mentaiko flavor or tonkotsu ramen flavor was suggested due to the exhibition being held in Fukuoka. However, with a desire to create a product with longevity, we just twisted the idea into the concept of museum flavor and shaped it. While adults reminisce about the memories of that old museum, children create memories of entomophagy starting from here. Quote, traveling cricket museum flavor, end quote, has become a product that will surely bring joy, not only to the customers who visit the museum, but also to the museum shop staff, end quote. Okay. (laughs) It's nuts. Everybody going into the cricket food business is a total lunatic. That's okay. Do we want to have these crickets taste like tasty things? Mm, no. What should they taste like? Well, we're going to be exhibiting these crickets at the museum. Why don't we make the crickets taste like a museum? <laughs> okay. <laughs> what a bunch of... Well, more power to you. I'm going to eat all the bugs. Okay, you're just going to eat them one at a time, though, okay? Okay. I've got one. I've got one. I'm going to go catch that one. No, finish the one that you have in your mouth first. Let's take a look at Japan in Japan. Here we go. As prices soar, Japan returns to human waste Fertilizer by Kyoko Hasegawa from uh, Agence France Presse. 
It's cheap, recycled, and has centuries of tradition. Shimogoe, or fertilizer from a person's bottom, is finding new flavor, new favor in Japan. Flavor. New favor in Japan as Ukraine's war hikes the price of chemical alternatives. Easy to understand that, right? As in several parts of the world, the use of, quote, night soil, end quote, to fertilize crops was once common in Japan. Yeah, night soil means your, yeah, yeah, stuff from your bum. However, the advent of sewage systems and treatment facilities, as well as chemical fertilizers, saw it fell out of fashion. About a decade ago, Japanese treatment facilities wondered if they could revive interest to avoid sewage sludge disposal, a costly and potentially environmentally damaging process. But enthusiasm was limited until Russia's invasion of Ukraine sent the cost of chemical fertilizers soaring. Oh, really? Is it Russia's invasion of Ukraine, or is it Europe's... Uh, turning off all of its energy and uh, unable to use a lot of its byproducts to create fertilizers? Or is it um, other countries making fertilizers like Brazil producing coffee that then, no, a lot of those places import from the Donbass area. So um, it's severe incompetency. It's Western failing leadership turning off the lights before they take a gun to their heads and blow out their brains without children left behind. That has been a bonanza for a facility. Wait, but enthusiasm was limited, right? That has been a bonanza for a physicist facility in northern Japan's Tome, where sales of human waste were up 160% year on year by March 2023. For the first time since the city began producing the fertilizer in 2010, it has sold out. Sold out of shit. The demand is easy to explain, said uh, Vice President Toshiaki Kato of the facility. Quote, our fertilizer is popular because it's cheap and it is helping farmers cut soaring costs, he told AFP. It is also good for the environment, he said in a normal accent. Made of a combination of treated sewage sludge from septic tanks and human waste from cesspits, the fertilizer goes for 160 yen per 15 kilos. That's about a tenth of the price of products made from imported raw materials. In southwestern Japan's Saga, the officials report sales are up two to three times. And dozens of four groups from municipalities elsewhere in the country have visited, eager to replicate their program. Historic origins and goes on and on and on. Well, I don't know about you, but I think that was a very shitty story. Here we go. We're going to end with some more severe coronavirus news. Stay tuned. Coronavirus. The Wuhan flu doesn't kill you. The media panic will. Now do whatever the government tells you to do. So we're going to be living with the fallout from uh, COVID policy for many, many years. Uh, a lot of people don't think that it's really anything. They just... I find it a little strange how everybody was like, get vaccinated, unvaccinated people. And now it's like, hey, how's it going? Let's go to the beach. Okay. Japan poll finds half of workers against returning to office after COVID. I can, I can easily identify with this. My, one of my main missions in life is to destroy middle management. 
I used to support WeWork because I thought their AI technology would remove the need for stupid middle managers coming up to me and telling me how to do stuff that they're not supposed to tell me how to do, but they would just, you know, make maybe make a nice schedule. Maybe um, maybe uh, get it done quicker. Maybe they wouldn't need one person with a giant stack of documents that need to be stamped and then checked with a check mark so that the the process can go forward. Maybe AI. Maybe maybe all that stuff could just make it happen because the the middle manager is like uh, the troll underneath a toll booth. Quote: Nearly half of respondents in a nationwide survey. This is Tokyo from July eighteenth. Nearly half of respondents in a nationwide survey conducted by a career support firm said they are opposed to returning to the office as Japan leaves the COVID-19 pandemic behind, while close to half of managers raising children are considering switching jobs over inadequate work, uh, remote work systems. Tokyo-based X-Talent, which supports career transitions among the child-rearing generation, surveyed 1,085 clients and others aged from their 20s to 50s in June and announced its findings on July 13th. The poll found that 48.7% of respondents were opposed to returning to the office, surpassing the 1.3% who were in favor of doing so and the 37.9% who answered that they were in favor of a partial return. When asked for comments, they were there were respondents who underscored the significance of going back with one person pointing out that, quote, communications with the colleagues is necessary, end quote. That is a self-interested middle manager who realizes that without people to boss around underneath him, he is completely useless and needs to be removed from the employment field. The survey nevertheless highlighted a smoldering sense of dissatisfaction among the child-rearing generation regarding the move back to the office. When asked whether they were considering changing jobs or had already done so due to dissatisfaction over the inadequate remote work systems, 198 of 407 people in managerial hire positions in their 30s and 40s were raising children and answered, yes. The reason why I read so quickly is to screw around with people who listen to podcasts at 2.2x speed or 3x speed. Regarding the ideal frequency of working at the office, the most common answer was once a week at 26.4%. Next was three times a month or less at 23.7%, followed by twice a week at 22.2%. Less than 20% wanted fully remote jobs. That makes sense. It is good to go in sometimes. Last paragraph. Remote work has taken root in the wake of the COVID-19 crisis, and there has been a growing rethink about conventional work styles grounded in employees coming to the office. An ex-talent representative com commented, quote, for the generation raising children, working styles that include remote work with flexible hours make it easier for employees to demonstrate their performance, leading to greater satisfaction. By implementing the ways of working with employees, uh, with the, working with that, hmm, by implementing the ways of working that employees desire, it makes it easy to keep talent, end quote. I'll read that last part again. Again. By implementing the ways of working that employees desire, it makes it easy to keep talent, end quote. And that is from uh, Yusuke Hiratsuka, Business News Department, at the Mainichi Newspaper, Japan's National Daily since 1922. And there we go. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people don't want to go back to work. Uh, it made sense when there was less computers in the world. Uh, but now that there's computers everywhere and you go to work and you stare at a computer and then you go home and stare at a computer, it's like, do do I need to be around other people to ask them about a hyphen? Or do we just forget about that hyphen and move on with the project? The idea is probably to move on with the project and not let the hyphen get in the way. 
right? Somebody comes over to you, excuse me, I don't know what this hyphen is for. And then you have to stop what you're doing. Anyways, that's that. You've been listening to the Japan What Podcast, MatthewPMBigelow.com. We're going to finish this podcast with a song I have just remastered called Beekeeper. And then we will play it out, play the outro. Remember, go to MatthewPMBigelow.com, download a podcasting 2.0 app, give us some satoshis. We are stacking sats. The Bitcoin revolution is real. The podcasting 2.0 revolution is developing apps, developing protocols to put information from the creator to the listener without the need of insane big tech applications getting in the way and sucking it all up for themselves. MatthewPMBigelow.com, podcasting 2.0, Japan Web Podcast. You found it. From the armpit of Asia, the Toshihisa Cho Studios in Tokyo To Shinjuku, Japan. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening.
Making more than the earth. 